On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fortiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Well, I might not know what FYR stands for, but everyone else does in SMS land anyway. Brett in St Albans, the first one with a former Yugoslav Republic. FYR, Macedonia, Carlos Alberto Diego. Hello, Carlos. How are they there, uh, Half? And I bet you those people would have loved to have that question for the million-dollar question for the for hot seat. hot seat. <laughs> because I tell you, that it didn't, you didn't even finish the request. No, no. And they came through. Uh, at, by the way, I knew the answer too. I knew you. I was going to say, I, I, I was going to say, I'm glad you asked, and as as the millions of people out there who yeah. are a font of knowledge and listen to us every week, they're glad you asked also, Half. Um, why they, has it always been FYR, or is this a new thing that's been tacked on? No, I suppose oh, when I they was, weren't the former... Peter Dacos was not the <laughs> FYR Macedonian Marvel. Yeah. Peter Dacos was the Macedonian Marvel. Yeah, look, now you're going deeply into it, and I'm sure other people will send the, the history of uh, the you know why you call... Uh, Macedonia, FYR, and uh, and before and, and pre FYR. I yeah. suppose there's pre and post. Well, and, there must be yeah, I, uh, not post, but there's during and so because I mean we're still the current. So you're getting in an area that I don't know too much about. Right. Okay. Mm. Well, I just know Peter Dacos was the Macedonian Marvel, <laughs> not, right. the, not the FYR Macedonian <laughs> Marvel. Anyway, we're going to play them shortly, uh, and uh, I assume that's where we start today, Carlos. Yeah. The new squad from Ange Postacoglu, who will be with the boys on the run home after. I think it's after five. I think Ange is coming up. This afternoon, 5.05 or thereabouts. We've got our squad for the friendlies against Germany and FYR Macedonia. What do you make of it? Yeah, look, it's more... You know, the great thing about this uh, compared to when Ange took over was, you know, there was wholesale change needed. Not wholesale change, but he needed to get games into as many plays as possible. It was almost an impossible task. I mean, just a couple of weeks before the Asian Cup started, he had a squad of 46 players because he needed... and And most of them had had some little... Uh, experience with the national team or whatever, but he just needed to get games into as many people as possible and give hopes to many people as possible. Uh, these days, he doesn't need to go with the wholesale change. He's got the core. Doesn't mean, by the way, that core's going to necessarily play in Russia 2018 because they've still got their work cut out from all these young guns coming through. Uh, and, and when I say all these young guns, there's a number of young guns coming through, and, and one is Chris Economides, who uh, who has been uh, selected in the squad, uh, as, as has Luke Devere, a 25-year-old who played under Ange uh, at Brisbane Raw, and also uh, Adam Frederici's got another chance as a, as a goalkeeper, probably... So is he coming in for Galekovic? Yeah, it looks like he's coming in for Galekovic, but it's all okay. about getting him back in the fold again and getting back you know, with a bit of incentive that he might be involved, um, and I don't know who else. Uh, who else we got there? Aaron Moy is, uh, and we sort of. You don't need to. Well, he's been good. Yeah, he's been really good. He's That's deserved a good his spot. For him, isn't and he, it? you know, people probably have an argument uh, for him being unlucky not being selected in the Asian Cup squad. Uh, so it's great that he's. Uh, been getting his chance, and he's only a young guy too. So, uh, but out of all those guys there, the one that really excites me is uh, the Chris Economides, who's at Lazio at the moment. Young kid, 
didn't even get... Big time Lazio. Yeah, CDR. Yeah, and, okay. uh, and he's not just a, a youth team player scoring for fun, as he was at late last year, 15 goals in about as many games. And, uh, and this year had been promoted to the senior squad, training every day with some great players. Uh, but also, they've actually, you know, really showing that they've rated him highly by having him on the bench in some really important games and uh, kissing his sister, Coppa Italia. Uh, <laughs> Which is not kissing your sister over there. It means something over in Italy. But uh, he was on the bench for the semi-final team. Was he? Yeah, and also... Do they uh, hand that out willy-nilly just no, to encourage him? Or has he got to earn that? Not, a, not at all. And uh, and he's on the bench for a City A fixture quite recently. Maybe even been on the weekend. I'm not sure. But uh, but no, in Italy, they don't give you anything for free. And uh, and given you're an Australian also, yeah. uh, from Greek heritage, uh, I don't think they're, <laughs> they're going to make it easy for you. So he's earned everything he's got there. And he's a lovely kid. I just watched a bit of video of him. Uh, on on the net, so if you get a chance to to Google his name and, and know get to know something about him. He just seems like he's just one of these young guys, really confident in his own ability, but very respectful. This whole idea of playing with his heroes, you know, Tim Cale and yeah. uh, and being part of something that he he was dreaming about from four years old. So all those sort of things there, these guys really mean something, and that's what I love about what's happened, even from the two thousand and six squad, uh, what they did at the World Cup in two thousand and fourteen. You know what they did at the Asian Cup. All these guys who have come previously are leaving a legacy for these ne- for this next slot. And this Chris Economides has got some talent. He wouldn't be where he is right now if he hasn't. By Russia 2018, he could be a regular in the City R. So suddenly we've got a we've got a star on our hands. So uh, and he's just one of them. There's there's others around uh, in Europe at the just, moment who haven't sort of um, who haven't sort of got that transition yet. Yeah. But. They're probably just as talented. I know nothing about this young man, Chris Economides, apart from what you're telling me right now. But Ange Postacoglu knows a bit about him if he's put him in this squad. Let's have a listen. Just a little bit of feedback about this young man from the coach. He's had a big club. He's, he's doing well at under-20 level. And I guess uh, been on the bench a couple of times for the first team. But you know, he's a striker and it's an area where you know, we still feel we don't have the depth we require. And just to give him a bit of encouragement, by no means do I think he's ready to play in our national team. So... He's a striker, so it, and Andrew's saying he's probably not walking up start just at the minute. But uh, whose sort of position are we talking? Which spot? He, he can play attacking midfield, and uh, and I think he can play it at the pointy end also. You know, uh, it really depends. I mean, he's, he's your probably um, your Matthew Leckie type, your Nathan Byrne type of player. Yep. Um, he, he has a striking re- resemblance to Jason Davison, by the way. Not that he's the same sort of player, but uh, he's that sort of a look. Uh, and, um, yeah, look, he's an attacking player who can score goals. So anywhere from the front line to an attacking-type midfield role, these guys have to be very adaptive. They have to adapt also to what Ange wants them to do. Yep. Uh, they're not all going to... I mean, we can't play a five-man forward line. So, uh, yeah, well, I'd love to. I mean, going not? back to the 60s, See you what can play they do. the old W formation with five up front. See you know, what three, they do, yeah. Carlos. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, something with your transition is is the right sort of transition when you have possession of the ball. It ends up being a five-man forward line sometimes. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, he's one of those guys. He's an athletic type. He's impressing some really hard judges in Europe. And um, and apparently at one stage of his development, Arsenal and uh, Arsene Wenger was inquiring about his availability. So, and of course, the Greek national team have come calling a few times, and he's just said, "No, nah, I'm Australian. I'm going to be playing for Australia." So, all those are very, very good signs for us. Tell me, um, were you surprised with the selection of uh, Tarek Elric and, and Luke Devere? You know, Tarek Elric was on the scrap heap really what 12, 18 months ago, maybe you know. 
24 months ago under he was at West Sydney Wanderers one of the foundation players and uh, he'd moved I think it was from Newcastle at the time and uh, he was in there the squad and in the end he just he and Tony Popovich made a decision that he had to move on yep. he virtually went to Adelaide and the deal was almost uh, you know youth type youth level type deal minimum I mean, chip sort yeah, of stuff yeah absolutely come he, here and play because uh, you want to play yeah, absolutely he, was, he, he certainly didn't uh, he wasn't getting the big bucks at all when he went to Adelaide but I've got to say, I've got to say, since he's been there, especially this year, some of the football he's played has been fantastic. And he's not only playing at fullback and getting forward and, and creating things, but also they've every now and again when they're lacking their central defenders for injury or suspension or whatever, they'll throw him in there. And he does a great job too. Okay. He's such a great athlete, and I've been really surprised with his technique. Uh, I, I thought his technique sort of let him down a little bit, turning the ball over a bit at times, you know, a bit of a heavy touch as he was coming through the ranks. Always a very good athlete. Can't have a heavy touch. Can't have a heavy, heavy. We can't, know that. Can't, uh, the striker with a heavy touch, you can get away with it. You know, the big, <laughs> the big uh, target man up front. But anywhere else in the field, you can't have the heavy touch. Uh, especially if you're, if you're getting older. I love your heavy touch. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he's he just surprised me that his technique is a lot better than, uh, than I thought it was. And I suppose that would be really refined in the atmosphere or in the, in the environment they have at Adelaide because yeah. of, the, of the way they play their football. And, and they're such a good technical team. Gumball's been good for him. Yeah, I, I think. And also guys like Karushka and uh, SAEs and the, all these Spanish guys who are really, really great technicians. Mm. I think Kim training with them every day has probably improved him too. All right. In fact, before we get to the break, Carlos, I'll take your calls on the Socceroos squad as well, if you'd like. 9429-1116. Let's have a listen to Ange. Uh, we've mentioned Tarek Ellerick and, and Luke Devere as well from the Brisbane Raw. Aaron Moy, you mentioned before from Melbourne City. They've been added to the Socceroos squad for the friendlies against Germany and FYR Macedonia. As we go to the break, let's have a listen to Ange talking about those three inclusions from the A-League. Aaron, we already knew, and you know, was very close to making the Asia Cup squad, and I think his form's been consistent since then, so it hasn't dropped off. You know, with Tarek, I think he's had a really consistent season this year, playing a number of positions for Adelaide, and again, he gives us an opportunity to see whether we can keep filling our stocks in the back part of the field. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us talking the world game on the day that Ange Postacoglu has named his Socceroos squad for international friendlies against Germany in FYR Macedonia. Now, a few inclusions uh, that I know of that I've picked up. Carlos, Luke Devere, Tarek Ellerick, Aaron Moy from the A-League. Adam Federici gets another cracking goal at some stage. He may anyway. And Chris Economides, the young lad from Lazio in Italy. Who's missing? Bresciano's missing. Cruz is yep. missing. Kolekovic is missing. Yep. Who are the other two? Um, the Hurd, Chris Hurd's Chris on Hurd, him. yes. And of course, he was injured during the thing. And uh, Cherry Antonis is the other one. Ah, but right. Terry's probably in the same mould as... Is he the one that didn't play any minutes? No, he didn't play any minutes. Uh, but he's in the same mould as in the Cotomedia because he's, he's certainly the next, one of the next generation. And instead of bringing him along and probably not playing against Germany or Macedonia, they've actually... The under-23s, uh, the, under the Olympic team of uh, preparing for qualifiers at the moment. So he either go into camp or there might be some friendlies there. So they've got... You know, what's, what exci what's exciting for Ange at the moment is that there could be, you know, 40 Australians regularly getting... Uh, international exposure through the senior team or under-23s over the next two or three years. So that under-23s is still seniors. It, it's, all, it's senior football. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's not full international, but it's uh, certainly you're not playing with kids. And, uh, you know, if, if you're under-23 you, and you're representing Australia, you're playing in decent competition. So for him, whether you're playing seniors or under 23s, you're getting international exposure. Mm. So, uh, and okay. that's uh, that's what these guys need to get more and more games under their belt. If you want to have a say on the squad, nine forty nine eleven sixteen, Nixon Endeavour Hills. Hello, Nick. 
Hi, Daniel Carlos. How are you? Good, thanks. Good, Just what I'm disappointed with is um, the Asian Cup final didn't give him Marco Brasciano at least five minutes for his last game and a good send-off sort of thing. Yeah, there's no sentiment, is there, Nick? But I suppose, you know, which five minutes would you have put him into? Because uh, they conceded... You know, if he wasn't going to be in your best eleven, and it and it didn't, and the circumstances didn't suit him, because you'd think that if the circumstances it suited him, Ange would have put him on, because he certainly wasn't, you know, uh, discriminating against Bresh for any other reason other than the fact that he as a player didn't suit him on that occasion, and uh, and you think, you know, it was such a tight game. I think we almost forget uh, that we conceded late in normal time, and then uh, you know, extra time was was you know it was just biting your, your nails the whole time. It was just so tense the whole time. So, you know, you'd think that if he thought that that Bresch was going to add something, he would have. It would have been a fantastic send-off for him, uh, for him to play. But, uh, you know, I suppose there's just no sentiment. It's like a couple of weeks ago, you know, you'd think that uh, playing at home in front of a good crowd, uh, Melbourne victory, Archie Thompson's 200th game, you know, he's such a legend of the A-League, and they lose against Wellington Phoenix. I mean, sometimes the Cinderella stories just do not... Yep happen. But that's okay. I, I don't mind that. If it was never going to work, it didn't need to happen, and you're only going to play them for sentimental reasons, at that, in that sort of competition, yeah. well, that can't happen. You, no, you, you can't, can't have that going on. Yeah, you can do it. Oh, it's too bad that, uh, you know, uh, he probably would be suited to play against Germany. You know, if he, if he hung on a bit, maybe that could have been, but that's playing in Germany. It's not playing in Australia. And we will play very few friendlies in Australia. It'd have to be a, a World Cup qualifier where you'd give him his swung song. And this is where... Uh, this is where I think it's difficult for Ange to, to toy with that. And I suppose it just shows how serious we are, you know. Um, it, you know, I would have liked to have seen Lucas Neal get a send-off, but I don't think he's officially retired yet. Uh, there's a lot of players. Is uh, he not? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, well, I haven't heard anywhere uh, that he's retired. So uh, I don't think he's playing anywhere. But, uh, but, you know, he hasn't officially retired. And uh, and I think, you know, guys like Scott Chipperfield and Luke Wilkshire, I'd like I'd like to get give them all a great send-off. But... Firstly, they've got to retire, and secondly, there's got to be a game that's uh, that's nothing really serious hanging on it for them to do that, and it has to be in Australia, really. Lucas Neal's just in between clubs at the minute, just in between <laughs> clubs, Carlos. Let's get to uh, another uh, statement from Ange, another comment from Ange in regards to, because um, what we did love about the Socceroos throughout the Asian Cup was their, their style, Carlos. It was aggressive, it was attacking, it was really positive, and that's what we love to see here uh, from an Australian point of view. This is uh, him talking about what they'll do against Germany this time around. We'd like to think we can win every game. We'll go out there and I think the key thing for us is what we've done consistently is play our type of football, try to play our type of football. And, you know, when you do that against the very best, um, you, you have a good indication where you're at. So we're not going to go there just uh, you know, trying to get a result. All guns blazing. All guns blazing. Yeah, I mean, but remember we were speculating before the World Cup. We were sort of, I was fascinated about what Ange was going to do. Was he going to try and teach the team to park the bus, which he's never done in club football? Yeah. Uh, or is he going to go at Chile? Is he going to go at Holland? Is he going to go at Spain? I mean, we were talking about this. And then on the day, he went head-to-head with these teams. Now, we considered stupid goals at times. And it was heartbreaking at times against Chile when we could have got, you know, something from that game. Against Holland when we could have got something from that game. Spain, we were never in it. It's fair enough. But I think that showed when, with an unprepared team. You know, uh, with the team, we didn't know what we were going to do. We were all frightened about what was going to happen to us over there. He said, no, we're going to go head-to-head with these teams. So that doesn't surprise me, the attitude uh, going up against Germany and not parking the bus and being attacking and and trying to close them down. And, and, you know, 
from a from a from an attacking transition point of view, you know, winning the ball in good areas and then going at them when the other team is unorganised. So uh, that's why you play modern day football. That's how you win games at international level. And if we don't have that attitude going into the World Cup qualifiers, especially against teams we're supposed to beat in Australia, which has been hard for us in the past, we've been very disappointing at times under Osik and also Pim Verbeek. Um, if we get if we have the attacking intent and the team's well-coordinated and, and well-put-together, we'll beat everyone at home. And if you beat everyone at home and get your results, you know, one or two results uh, you know, overseas mm. uh, with your away games, you'll, get, you'll qualify for Russia. One of the issues we've had uh, with our national team and a couple of A-League teams too, we'll get to that shortly, has been our defence. and It's been an area of weakness, says Ange Postacoglu. Let's have a listen to him. Particularly at right fullback, we're still a little bit light on, and you know, Tarek obviously has the ability to play there, and uh, he's played a number of positions for Adelaide, and he's now an experienced player, and obviously one we want to give an opportunity to, and, and at centre back as well with Luke, and you know, bringing him into the fold because, you know, as you saw in the Asia Cup, we really only had three centre backs, and and I imagine Carlos uh, talking about the World Cup qualifiers not too far away that. If you're going to test it out, this defence and which players you want to have in those spots, there's no better team to take on than the Germans. That's right. And given that we beat the Germans in the friendly and uh, when Holger Rossik uh, had a, was in charge. so How did he get sacked then? <laughs> well, we beat them on their home. I mean, I, I still can't believe David Carney scored it in, in, I think he scored the winner in that game. And uh, and we were it was we were a rabble in that game. I mean, it was a gutsy effort mm. and we got the result. Lucky? Plucky in that in an unorganised type of way. Is there an unorganised yeah, yeah, pluck? Yeah. You can you have you can show a lot of pluck in an unorganised way. <laughs> I wasn't aware of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And when you know when David Carney you know gets you know gets the winning goal, you, you start. Or I th- I'm not sure whether David Carney got the winning goal or Luke Wilkshire threw a penalty got the winning goal. But they they were the two that scored the goals, and we beat them over there in a friendly. Um, so. You know, but I think they'll be switched on. They'll probably have a few memories of that game, and they'll probably want to go and try and win it in a in a really comfortable way. But at the same time, our team I think is better than mm. the team that played them back then. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I I, I like these tests that Ange is uh, organising. In, in the game against Macedonia, uh, I expect to win that. So um, that's what happens when you become Asian champions. You you start getting a bit more confidence about you know beating those mid, middle to to lower ranked type European teams. Uh, what I have learned throughout this discussion, Carlos, off the SMS is that uh, I don't want to get myself too heavily involved into the <laughs> FYR Macedonia situation. There yeah. seems to be some angst yeah. out there from the, some of the population yeah. who uh, don't quite like the FYR yes. situation. You've opened up Pandora's box. I should have warned you. I, I didn't know there was yeah. two Macedonians. <laughs> I only thought there was one. No, stop it now. They tell me Dakes is a Greek Macedonian <laughs> and not a Yugoslav Macedonian. Yes. There's two, two Macedonians. Well, Let's just stop it now because not everyone would agree with that. So what the, That's what they're telling me off the SMS. I'm not going any deeper into that. I can only get myself in trouble. Uh, and I don't think it's going to affect our show from here on in because we're going to move on to the A-League. We're going to keep it domestic because this global stuff just gets us in murky water, Carlos. 26-2 to back shortly. Carlos is with us until 2 o'clock. And, of course, the Four Diegos are back tonight from 11 p.m. every Wednesday, 11 till 12. The boys get there and they huddle up early and they work mm. out what they're going to do with their hot topics. Three-hour pre-show meeting. For a one-hour program. Yeah, yeah for one-hour program. That's that how serious we take it. Yeah, and we will scrutinise the squad to, to an inch of its death. Right. Tonight, so. Okay. And by the way, uh, 
Melbourne City playing tonight too, so yes, it might end up being a Diego's final whistle, <laughs> where, where there might be a few upset uh, City fans, or they might be very happy too. Let's that not, could be, let's yes, be positive, let's be positive Carlos. Yeah. Although they do lose Damien Duff, I want to talk to you hmm. about that uh, shortly. But uh, before we do that, let's let's get Johnny Mooney Ponds wants to talk stock, Socceroo squad, and I think maybe the weekend's game with the glory and the victory. Hello, John. Hi, guys. Good, uh, mate. Uh, just look. Uh, just quickly on Socceroos, and specifically Tarek uh, Yellow, which I think is uh, fantastic. Uh, um, you know, this is a guy who, like as you said before, Carlos, you know, he, everywhere he's been, he's been kind of the uh, the guy that just comes off the bench or, um, you know, doesn't get a proper contract and he's kind of a spare-fast player. Whereas uh, I think Gumbauer, with the, as you said, the technical style of play, um, the European type of uh, coach has brought the best out of him and, and, and you know, there's any young kids out there that think that sometimes it's over, well, it's, um, it's not, you know, even if it is his only game, you can uh, say that he's, you know, possibly going to play, you know, he's played against Germany for Australia or Macedonia, so. Yeah, just, uh, Johnny, uh, just before, yeah. are, you, are you on hand three? Mm. Or speaker? Is that better? Is that better? Into the, uh, the receiver is very nice. <laughs> it's just a little bit better? echoey there, mate. Yeah, that's better. Okay, sorry. Yeah. A little and bit. As for the, as for the, uh, the victory game, um, Carlos, I'm interested in, in half as well. Just what do you guys think about, and I don't know this is a topic that probably shouldn't be talked about, but people talking about, you know, getting video refereeing. And I mean, if we, if we were to arrogate. Talking about the offside decision, Johnny? Yeah, I mean, you know, what about Ben And I'm a victory member for and through. What about Ben Cuffler's uh, miss from four years? We, we seem to forget that, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a game that's officiated by humans. And I think once you start getting into, you know, um, offside replays, what about, you know, um, what's his name? Ansel's handball in the second half. Do you start... Yeah, you know. no, we get your point. That's yeah. that's a good point. Um, yeah. I, Carlos, you first. Yeah, well, look, you know, when I I I didn't watch the game live because I was at another function. But uh, when I did watch the replay, and by the way, I checked all the Twitter, you know, the the news feed on Twitter as the game was going on. Everyone's going crazy about this offside position thing. I think, don't tell me it's another really bad decision. Yeah, you know, looked... one of those incompetent decisions. I I just hope it wasn't another incompetent decision. Uh, then when I watched it. I'm thinking, hey, no one near the howler was made. Yeah, no, it, it was actually a mis- it was an error. Yep, I mean, it, it was, was. Off, definitely offside. But geez, you can understand why that linesman in that moment, yep. why they they didn't get it right. It, yep. it was just one of those really difficult ones. Now I know that doesn't doesn't calm and or you know Kevin Musket and the team after what they've had to go through this year. And I fully you know uh, sympathise with another refereeing error which. You know, again, you know my feeling. These things don't cost you games, but they can affect you in a game, and uh, and so I understand all that. Um, but it was it wasn't one of those really incompetent ones, which I was pleased about. Yeah, no, because it, was, it doesn't it doesn't make us look good at all. Like when initially, that when that when I was watching that game, when that happened, I thought, "Oh, how yeah. could you miss that?" Yeah. And then they showed the replay yeah. from the point of impact with the ball, and. You, you you know yeah. you don't like it and you yeah. don't want it to be wrong because it did cost them a goal. Yeah. But I think I think you do. Whereas nowhere near the howl it was made out to be. No. The illusion suggested it was. Yeah. But actually, the reality of the situation was nowhere near the howl yeah. that, that it was. Now it cost the victory a a goal yep. and therefore two points. Yep. Although they had to score after that, yep. whether or not that would have happened anyway, who knows what would have happened. But 
Um, it, it's cost them that. But I don't think it was anywhere near the hallock. Yes, you, you don't want those things to happen, but I'm no, I, I don't think you bring in technology for that sort of stuff. Goal line stuff, good. Yep. But I think those decisions, like Johnny was getting at, what about all the other ones that are, are contentious through the game? You're going to stop the game and video them as well. Yeah, I'm sure sometime this season also, I can't remember an incident, but I'm sure sometime this season there would have been uh, an offside goal that uh, Melbourne Victory had scored or one that was debatable yep. uh, that was similar. Uh, but you can understand why the, the linesman or the assistant referee gets that wrong. But Kevin Musket was very, very... If you look, If you watch his press conference... Uh, he was very, very keen on saying, but look at our response. And I think he was really proud of the way the guys who have been on the receiving end of some really bad calls this year. Mm. So there'd be a lot of frustration that's building up in the players. And the heat of battle, uh, the way it was, you know, top of the table clash, big crowd, a lot of tenseness to that game the other yeah. night. Uh, those guys, could, it could, they could have fallen apart and completely lost the plot. And there was one or two incidents with uh, Cal Falau who... Uh, who nailed uh, Danny De Silva. And I'm thinking, oh, this could get out of hand. Yep. You know, it could be a, a little bit of fracas going on and a few malaise oh, going on. Yeah, haven't fracas for a fracas, while. That's good. And uh, it, it's almost like pluck. The, you know, <laughs> a prong and a yeah, pluck and a fracas. Fracas with a bit some pluck, yeah. So the, <laughs> Unorganised plucking. Yeah, absolutely. But but the way the boys actually responded was in a very positive way. They really channeled their yeah. aggression and their frustration into having a really good second half. And, you know, they were, they were unlucky not to win that game, I thought, especially with the, with the chance they created in the first half and the second half. Uh, Cal Falar was just fantastic. He, just, he, was just a, he was just a complete dominating player uh, with a bit more luck he could have had a hat-trick the other night. And so, you know, I think Victory, are, personally, I believe they're in a good spot right now. They just keep on giving away goals that they shouldn't. But for me, they're still not conceding a lot of goals, but it's just important parts of the game. They just they let themselves down generally in the back half. Yep. Uh, but it's a question I'd love to throw out to our listeners. Righto. If you're a victory fan out there, are you happy with the way things are going, with the view that they will eventually go on and win the Premier's Plate and maybe the Grand Final this year? Can you see that happening? Or you're thinking what they're delivering now is what's going to deliver for the rest of the season? And also, I want to throw in for the City fans out there too. Are you happy with the way City's going at the moment? With the squad they've got, with the injuries they've got, the fact that they're vying vying for the spot in the top six... um, and every now and again, having a game like they did on the weekend, which I thought they were pretty limp in that game, I thought that they really lacked the intensity. They, you know, Central Coast Mariners really came to we- came to play in that second half, and, and City just fell apart again. Yeah. Uh, do you understand that they are in they are a squad that do that right now, and you accept that, or should they be a squad that? should be in the top six. I, I, I probably know what people are going to say, but I just want to know what people are thinking about their A-League teams at the moment. The question generally from Carlos there is, if you're a Victoria City yeah. fan, are you happy? That's effectively what yeah. you're asking. 949-1116, I'll take your calls after the break. Victory at the moment, just so we get to that, sitting fourth on the table behind Sydney FC, Wellington and Perth on top, and Melbourne City seventh outside the six. At the moment, by a point from Brisbane Raw. So, are you happy? 9.49, It's pressure in every game. Uh, it's pressure in every game. Has it, has it tightened up? It certainly has. It's, uh, it's, it's made for an interesting uh, uh, run-in. Uh, but we feel, um, you know, we've, again, you know, we dominated the game of football on the weekend where there should have only been one winner. Um, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, but we've got to maintain that and improve on our performances and, and the results will come.
As always, pressure at the top, says Kevin Musket there, uh, discussing last week's game and the situation to play for the Melbourne Victory. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us, and he's asking City and Victory fans, basically, are you happy with your lot? 9429-1116. Mark in Frankston has joined in the discussion. Carlos, hello, Mark. How you going, boys? Good. Listen, I'm a Melbourne Victory fan, and I'm not happy, and uh, the reason I'm not happy is that over the years of the victory, we've had some fantastic goalkeepers that we've let go, and all of a sudden we get one that's really costing us easy goals we're keeping. And because our on-ballers like Finkler and all that, they're only sort of um, forward of the ball players, any uh, quick break and just Coa's just got no idea. We can't win anything with him as... Keeper, not a thing. Carlos, you look, know more about this than I will. Well, look, uh, yeah, yeah, he has been inconsistent and disappointing at times this season, but he has also made some crucial saves at different times. But I think victory, I don't think he'll be the difference between them winning or losing the premiership this year. I just think the teams in the top six or top four are all dropping points, are all you know losing games that they shouldn't lose. And that's why the victory with the squad that Kevin Muscat's got right now, even with some limitations in the squad, maybe some players who aren't necessarily, you know, top line players that you would expect to win a league with. I think in this competition this year, victory can still go all the way and win the Premier's plate and maybe even go all the way and win a grand final. But I think you'll see, for the victory fans out there, I think you'll see the best of Kevin Muscat's squads next year and the year after, where he can actually start looking at some of the weaknesses in his team and start replacing him with the likes of real quality. Uh, you know, he did it with Ben uh, Calfalai. He's done it with Matthew Del Pierre. Uh, you know, there's a, there's, you know, you can see that they're picking right players, mm. but sometimes you just can't move players on because they're mid-contract or whatever it may be, salary cap issues and all that sort of stuff. But I think you'll see it, some really great victory squads over the next three years, but it doesn't mean that they can't win it this year given the state of the competition. My concern from that would be Mark's point about uh, the players not helping out. That's this team defence that Muskie and, and Ange Postacoglu are big on too. That Team defence, if, if you're working forward of the ball and not helping out through the middle, which creates the space for the other forwards, yep. for the opposition forwards, then that's not good enough either. Personally, I just think they've got a lack of depth in, in the back four. Uh, I think all those players are decent players, and they're good players on their day. And if you look at them individually, they're good players. But I, don't th- I think they lack the depth there, and they probably need a little bit of comp- more competition in that goalkeeping spot. All right, for, uh, Mark, that was not Frank, uh, Mark from Frankston. You get two Bataki Australian leg hands, round of golf for two at Keysborough Golf Course, Luna drive-in pass and Comics Lounge goal pass as well. Stay on the line, we'll get your details. Frank's in East Kill or Hi, Frank. G'day, gentlemen. How are you? Good, mate. Good, mate. I totally... I agree with the previous caller about the goalkeeping. We we lacking a goalkeeper in Melbourne Victory, and You've also we la- we lacking scoring goals. We creating a lot of chances, and uh, we don't feed Berisha the proper way to score it. Berisha's got a good um, um, record with um, with the Brisbane Row scoring week in and week out, and you know in Melbourne Victory we. We don't see Berisha scoring goals. Why is that? Why is that, Carlos? Well, I, I think up until a couple of weeks ago, Berisha was scoring goals. And, uh, and you know, if you look at the ladder, Victory's uh, got five more goals, no, three more goals than the next uh, highest scoring team in Wellington. So they're, they're the top scoring team in the competition. Yes, they do create a lot of chances that they don't convert, but I think the general conversion rate is, you know, for every four chances, you should be scoring one goal, and they're probably on the mark with that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure what's... You know what the story is with Barisha at the moment. It doesn't seem to be 
you know, jumping out of his skin the way he has in the past. I'm not sure whether he, he might be a bit injured at the moment. But look, you know, with the type of football they play and the way that he's marked, I mean, he really is a target man for not only his own players, but for the opposition to try and stop. So it must be very difficult. A lot of times when you receive the ball, there's two or three players around him too. So I think they're doing okay in that front third. Uh, but the, the thing is, at times they concede, you know, when they're 3-1 up against Perth in Perth and they, and they draw that game, uh, against Wellington Phoenix the week before yeah. when they should have, you know, they're just conceding stupid goals. And uh, and that's not a it's a, not a terminal thing. I can I still believe they can win the league, but uh, but it's going to be a problem. I think. Thanks for your call, season. Frank. After the break, uh, Rob's going to talk about the Melbourne City point of view. He wants to get involved in this discussion. Is he happy about Melbourne City? We'll find out after this. Rob in Strathmore. Hello, Rob. Yeah, g'day, boys. Look, I'm really disillusioned with um, Melbourne City. I watched the first half on Sunday. That, the football they were playing was rubbish, Carlos, and their set pieces were just diabolical. You've got you've got Kennedy in the box. They had about five corners, and Moy just kept kicking the ball about a metre off the ground. And then in the second half, when they had that uh, set piece, Central Coast, uh, and we had the wall, Moy jumps to the right, and the ball just goes straight through where he would have been standing. I mean... They're just fundamentals in soccer. And I, Van Skip, for me, he's got to go. I've just had enough. Yeah, Carlos, that's strong from Rob. Well, look, I think everyone will be scrutinised uh, very, very, very uh, thoroughly by the end of the season. Everyone, Everyone's position will have to be justified because I think it's been disappointing. But uh, the, the disappointing thing is the limp performances that every couple of games they put in. And I yeah. think people can can handle it when, they're, when they play football with intensity and they really have a go. But when they just... Go and they just accept second best. That's what gets people really upset. We can cheer you up though, Rob. Two bottles of wine, one red, one white. Thanks to AR Property Investments. We solved the property investment puzzle for you. Carlos, I'm going to be listening 11pm tonight <laughs> when you boys get back together with 40 Diego. Thanks, thanks Tom. Man. Yeah, thanks, mate.